0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick A Podcast. My name is Joe Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek, River Brown Sr. and my friend Alan Batista. And this is now episode 61. In this episode, we're going to talk about our first impressions of Brooklyn's Big 3. And we will also discuss mental health in the mainstream media. And after that, we will talk about Ben Simmons and the 76ers, Miami's slow start, Teams we are most surprised and disappointed by, and three players that are surprising us this season that have never been All Stars before. To end off the show, we're going to talk about the Clippers' early season success, Luka Doncic and the Mavericks, and whether the Utah Jazz are legit threats or not. So today we have a guest on the show, my longtime friend Allen. We were supposed to do a podcast for his birthday. We, his went, we went to uh, Florida for his birthday. We oh, were supposed okay, to do a okay. podcast over there, but we never had the time to, so it was only right we finally did one now. Cool. So how you feeling, man?
1: Just happy to be here. Happy to be here with the guys. It's just a great environment, great atmosphere.
0: Okay, so I told you guys that every basketball episode from here on out, I'm going to wear James Harden gear. <laughs> So this is the this is the start of that. Right now, I got it. This is your like the city or throwback jerseys from Throwbacks. the Nets. Yes, yeah. but it's a sweater. It has the same color, well, the blue ones, right? Hmm. But instead of saying Nets, it has Harden on it, and it has the same logo, same everything. Listen, and our first topic of the episode is going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets, their big three. They made their debut against the Cavs. And they lost and gave up 147 points to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Colin Sexton went off. He dropped 40 on them.
2: What were your thoughts about their first game together? I'll start with you, Jack. Well, you know, I know it came in a loss, but I was actually pleasantly surprised. I shouldn't say surprised, more so impressed on how the three of them worked together. I know a lot of people, you know, maybe just saw the box score or saw highlights and, People complained about how many shots Kyrie took, but if you watch the game, Kyrie was on fire the whole night. Like he was hitting. His box score didn't look as great because towards the end he missed a couple shots in double overtime. And I'll get to why that happened, but I really like the way the three of them work together. I thought one thing Steve Nash did well was handle the rotation of the three of them, you know, pay, spacing them, spacing their minutes you know, between the three of them, having one of them on the floor pretty much at all times. And that's the way it should be done. Um, I, I don't think the roles are that big of an issue. KD, we know he can be unselfish. He was in Golden State, and he was the other night, and he still got 30 because he can He can do it all. He's the greatest scorer of all time, in my opinion. He just he makes everything look easy. It doesn't matter what the role is, he fits it. James Harden has not only taking on the role of that distributor pure point guard he's almost done it to a fault and i think he's trying to show like he he's not selfish at all in this situation he wants to win a championship and he's willing to sacrifice anything for it and i think over time you'll start to see him finding picking and choosing his spots but he only had two shots at halftime on wednesday so you know it's a feeling out process he's trying not to be selfish and you know it's taking him out of situations where he should be trying to score. And Kyrie, I mean, he came back his first game, and he did what Kyrie does. He didn't miss a beat. He was on fire. And, I, and then, obviously, you get to the double overtime period, and he had no legs. But it, it does not concern me, their three roles. A lot of people are going crazy, but I think that's the least of their worries right now.
3: Oh, you want me to go next? Um, I wasn't it's, – it's the first game of them together, so I'm not going to sit here and overreact to it. I will say – Granted, the Cleveland Cavaliers are one of the best defensive teams in the league, so it's good that you see the um, you see the Nets score a lot of points on them. But at the same time, like Jack said, people were on Twitter ranting about James Harden not taking enough shots, and I feel like if they watched the game, they would have noticed everything was in the rhythm. Kyrie was just hot. KD was hot at one point. So Harden, he felt like he didn't need to do that because it would have messed up the rhythm of the other players. And let's be honest, Colin Sexton just had a day. He just had a day. It's not going to happen a lot, but he just had one of those bright spots where he just got it going. It didn't matter who was on him, KD, Kyrie, Harden. He just was on fire that day. So I'm not going to overreact to it. It was the first time they played. You've seen good size. You you can see, definitely see that Harden is going to take the playmaking role. He's going to be the point guard, and Kyrie's going to be more of the scorer. With KD also, he's going to be a scorer. So like I, like he said, Steve Nash with the rotations and the way he handled their minutes, it was good. So it was good signs. The only bad thing from a first game, obviously, is more... It's not even the defense. It's the lack of effort. I feel like the Nets didn't put too much effort. They walked into that game and was like, well, Cleveland is Cleveland. They probably looked at what we all looked at. They're the worst offense in the league. Darius Garland isn't playing. Kevin Love isn't playing. We we don't need to take it that serious. We just can score 30 apiece and we'll win. So I, I think that's what's been lacking from the Nets all season when they play bad teams. If you notice the record... They beat all the good teams that they played, and they've lost to teams like the Hornets and the Cavs and the Hawks who aren't that good at the point they played them. So it's just about lack of effort. Once the Nets get it going, I think they'll be okay. I would say that the minutes that Kevin Durant played, 50 minutes, Harden played big minutes, I think it's too early in the season for them to play that many minutes, especially when you need them late in the season, in prime time. So I think that's something he has to look at. But no, I'm going to overreact to it.
0: So the Cavs are the Cavs. That's one. Colin Sexton did have a day, but the Cavs are still the Cavs. The Nets are going to beat them tonight with Harden (laughs) and Kyrie with no KD. For me, nobody should be overreacting over this game, and I'll tell you why. The Heat's big three first game, they lost 80-88 to against Boston. Wade scored 13, Bosch scored 8, and LeBron scored 31. The Cavs' big three with K-Love, Kyrie, and LeBron. They lost 95 to 90 against the Knicks. The Knicks that year won 17 games. <laughs> LeBron had 17. Kyrie had 22. K Love had 19. The Warriors' big four first game, they lost to the Spurs 129 to 100. They got blown 100. out. I remember that. They got blown out. So nobody should be overreacting to this game. When the Heat lost, nobody questioned how great they are offensively. Look, the Nets are going to figure it out defensively because. This roster's not done being constructed. Sean Marks is gonna make moves, and I trust him to make moves. What I liked about the game is that Steve Nash is using Mike D'Antoni's philosophy of staggering minutes. I saw it last year with Harden and Russell Westbrook. You'd have them in in different times so you can maximize both players. With this Nets team, you saw times where Harden and KD were on the floor together. You saw times where. Katie and Kyrie were on the floor together. You saw times where Carden and Kyrie were on the floor together. And then you also saw moments where all of them were doing their own thing. He was staggering their minutes. And that's what I liked about it. For me, I'm not worried. This is nothing to worry about. We'll really know what the Nets are like 10, 15 games into the season and after they make more roster moves.
1: Yeah, just uh, what you guys said. The three of those guys, any given night could average 30 points, get 30 for, you know, for anybody. So I'm not really worried about them. Just what Riff said on the effort is just, that, like, it just wasn't there. But, you know, as the season goes on and it progresses, they will adjust because as athletes and great people, that's what they do. They will adjust. And I think they're going to be fine. And that's... Yeah. I,
2: I, I gave Steve Nash credit in the beginning because he deserved credit. I thought he did a good job staggering the minutes. And that's a tough thing for any coach to do with three players of that caliber. But one thing that really did concern me, and this is is my biggest concern for the Nets moving forward, bigger than even the defense, and I get it. He's only 16 games into his career. I'm trying not to be too hard on him. But with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, James Harden came into the game with KD, Kyrie, Joe Harris, and Jeff Green, and Steve Nash went on autopilot. It, it was unbelievable. Like from eight minutes through the last second of the double overtime period, there was not a single substitution. And I get it; you want your guys out there in winning time. But at some point, especially with Kyrie's first game back, James Harden still getting into the swing of things, getting into shape, for you know just getting here to Brooklyn. KD coming off the Achilles. To have those guys out there for fifty minutes each is. You know, I don't want to say irresponsible, but it's probably not smart at this point in the season. And when you look at the bench, I understand they didn't play well, but Bruce Brown has been a guy who's been great for them this season. Every game that he's, in games that he's played 20 minutes or more, they're 6-3, and three. they have a losing record when he doesn't. He's got to get more minutes somewhere or another. Landry Shamit, even, like, in the regular season, you got to count on him to give you minutes. He didn't play a single, he didn't even get his sweatsuit off. Like, you got to be able to count on the guys on that bench a little bit more, and then other things that concern me, like Colin Sexton getting to hit the game, tying three. And I believe it was either in regulation or overtime because you don't foul. I think regulation. You don't foul. Fa- like in that situation, to me, it's a no brainer. I always foul in that situation because you can only get burnt by not fouling. Like, I hate teams that do that. I, I hate it. I, I hate, hate it. watching I do it. it. In two I hate watching it, but it, it's the strategy to win the game. And he, I'll, I'll give him a pass on that. But. Then in double overtime, Colin Sexton came down and scored on five straight possessions, no timeout. And then you call a timeout after he scores on five possessions, and it's kind of like you just watch the game down the drain. So it's just decisions like that that I've been seeing pretty much all season long. He did it in a Memphis game earlier in the season where he left Jarrett Allen on the bench for two extra minutes. Pretty much cost us the game. I, I, I know you were watching that game because we talked about the it. the Hawks one, the the Grizzlies. One oh no, where he left Jared I, I Allen remember the bench.
3: Hawks one we were talking about where he had Deandre, no, was it? Uh, yeah, he had DeAndre Jordan in the game instead yeah. of Jared Allen. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's just
2: been questionable decisions for him all season long, and I get it. He's getting into the flow of things. I'm not saying fired Steve Nash. He'll figure it out. <laughs> so if I'm not mistaken, we because we're both Nets fans, what the hell? we <laughs> just
0: got we just got somebody in free agency, right? Yes,
1: Norvell Pell. I, okay. I was going to say Norval so.
0: Norvell Pell, he's a shot blocker. They got. Did it. you really
3: just say that? We, like, you really tried you to look. Just, you look at oh my, my sweater.
0: This is what I'm <laughs> going to say. This is what I'm going to say. I don't know. Like, I know that he's a shot blocker. That's his reputation. But I think the Nets still should go after JaVale
2: McGee. Bismack, beyond you also, or Nerlens-Noel. guys One also of those got three. that trade
3: exception from yeah. Dinwiddie's injury, five,
2: five too. 5.7 five, five, million, yeah. I believe. And, and they're definitely going to use it. They have until April 19th, and Anybody's they're not done yet. out for the year, right? That's the, That's the thought right You See, yeah. for me, he though, might be back playoffs.
0: Th- this is a problem I had with the Nets against the Cavs in the minutes, th- the minutes distribution. I don't think the Nets bench is bad. Like, I don't. I know people talk about depth a lot. I don't think this... Net's bench is bad. We've seen this same Nets bench play in the bubble and do yeah, well.
3: Exactly. i would say this: I don't think it's bad, depending on who's out there.
0: Like I don't think Chios is a bad
2: player. I in, don't know in if, regular season, <clears throat> definitely yeah, not. I Tyler don't. Johnson. I don't know if
0: he should get minutes, but I, I'm. I know for damn sure that Bruce Brown should get more minutes. Landry Shamit should play, and you should have a backup point guard outside. Tyler Johnson. Of, yes, I think he's pretty good too. Like you have guys. I don't know why Steve Nash is. Relying on KD, Harden, and Kyrie so heavily. Maybe he wanted to see how they all played together, and that's why he played them so much. But he For played it like that, a playoff. He pl- yeah.
2: literally played it like a playoff game. It
0: felt like a playoff game. So are you worried about them defensively, like going forward, or do you think it was just a bad game?
3: I'm not worried. I'm worried about the effort more than anything. It's just the effort on defense because, like, If you watch the game, they were just going there were stretches where they were just letting the Cavs score off easy. Even even I can go back to the Bucs game. I know Kyrie didn't play. But there were stretches in the Bucs game where they were just getting open backdoor cuts and open cuts to the basket. It was just it's more for the Nets is just effort on defense. I don't think they put the effort because they put in so much they exert so much energy on the offensive end and their goal in most games is we're just, you guys can't stop us, so we're just going to outscore you. Forget the defensive end. I think they have the players. Like, TLC can play defense. Bruce Brown is a great defender. Katie is a great defender. DeAndre Jordan, for stretches, he can be a rim protector and a great post defender. So I think Harden at times, if he puts some effort, he can be a good defender. I think only Kyrie would be the guy, but you can still put some effort and get... the, the, The goal for the Nets is can they get defensive stops for a stretch of time and then turn the game into a big lead that's really what it is for them and i think that's just effort
2: it doesn't really concern me like people it's definitely a concern but people are making it out to be a much bigger issue than it's meant than it should be and that's the same thing that happens with all great teams people will nitpick anything and turn it into a much bigger deal than it is but when you look at it like riff said you go down the roster you have at least solid defenders in most positions. And they're like you said, they're not done yet. Sean Marks is going to go out. There's a bunch of great defenders still on the market, a couple of them that were former Nets. Amon Shumpert was with the team last year. I would love Shumpert. <laughs> Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, all guys who could come in and play, maybe not elite-level defense, but really high-level defense, really high-effort guys that would be, make big contributions to this team, at least in the regular season. You mentioned a couple center names. I believe they have two roster spots. So, you know, they, they still have work to be done. And I think whoever they add, it's not just going to be a roster filler. It's going to be somebody who's going to come in and really impact this team, especially in the regular season. But, you know, you mentioned, you look at this team, and they're definitely guys that should be getting more minutes. I want to see how he handles it moving forward. Because I'm sure he's seeing what we're seeing. You can't keep those guys out there for that amount of minutes. You're going to burn them out for the time you really do need them. No, so. yeah,
3: Shaman has to play. I know he's struggling from the three, but he's a guy that you have to get out there because he can hit the and three. he
2: was actually playing pretty decent before last night. I know the Knicks game, he got hot, hit a couple of shots. And yeah. the game before that, he hit a couple shots right at the end. So... You know, I want to keep him in that rhythm. Get him on the court making shots because you need him in the regular season just to – literally just to take minutes if nothing else. So
0: before the big three in terms of Kyrie, KD, and Harden played their first game, (coughs) everybody was wondering where Kyrie Irving was. When he spoke to the media, he talked about how he just needed a break and he was going through a lot of personal stuff. And I think the reaction from fans, they were very – open to what Kyrie said. They were taking back what they said before about all the, because everybody was being mean to Kyrie for the last couple of weeks. Couple of months. So this question is just a question. It's not a basketball question. It's just a question about how the media handles p- professional athletes in terms of mental health. Do you think there is a certain disregard for that aspect in pro sports? We've seen some examples, PG in the bubble. We've seen Kevin Love. Kevin Love, we've seen DeMar DeRozan speak out. Kyrie Irving is the latest, and when he was going through all this stuff, Stephen A. Smith called for his retirement. A lot of backlash headed his way, and this just, the question is, do you think that the mainstream media is handling the mental health professional athletes poorly?
3: I, th- I just think the media forgets that these people are people. I think they forget that these are human beings that live an average. Light. I know they're rich. And they have all this money. But I think the media thinks just because they're $40 million that it's going to wash away all that depression and all that. Like, they're just, they're regular people like us. They go through day-to-day stuff like us. They have families, you know. Why are you laughing?
0: (laughs) I'm laughing because I remember when we were talking about, we were doing the bubble debate. (laughs) And you were you were totally disregarding everything <laughs> that you're saying right now.
3: Yeah, I was one of those people, but I, like the media be going crazy. I'm not I'm not a guy who's gonna go crazy. Like I'm going all of the media be violent. And I think they just forget that these people have families too, and they go through stuff. People die every day. Family members die, and we don't know what they go through in a day to day basis. So you can't just assume. Uh, and, I, and I get it from a standpoint that like Kyrie, he's not as communicate like he doesn't communicate as well. But at the same time, he does has his own personal life. And just because he's a celebrity, it doesn't mean he has to share that personal life with us just because he's famous.
0: So for me, I think there are two blatant examples of this. One most recent. I actually, I actually count three. One most recent when Stephen A. Smith called for Kyrie <laughs> to retire. Two, when Skip Bayless disregarded Dak Prescott's depression. And <laughs> Wait, when did he do that? He did it in the, the office. I have the exact wow. quote, actually. Yes. And I think I have another one. Three, I was watching Old First Take and how they did a segment on name-calling professional athletes and how Skip and Stephen A., they didn't have a problem with name-calling because Skip used to call Chris Bosh, Bosh Spice and all that stuff. <laughs> they didn't have a problem with name-calling, but then when Jalen Rose talked about Skip Bayless' past, he took it very personal, and it was kind of a double standard, like, you name-call these athletes every day, but as soon as somebody says something to you, now you're all butthurt about it. What do you call them? Water Pistol P. Water Pistol <laughs> P. Jr. So I think those are some instances that are that are that um we should look at to just showcase the contradiction between the media. And I hear this argument a lot, especially on Twitter and comments, is that the fans are the reason why these athletes are in the position that they're in. And I think that's wrong. I think... That athletes are in their in that position because they're that good. We pay to see them because mm-hmm. they are so good. We're not going we're not filling up seats at the rec leagues. Like we're filling up seats at NBA stadiums because they are that good at what they do. So they make it. The media tries to act like it's a relationship that is one sided and the athletes need the media. We it's it's both. And I think in terms of the media, they need the athletes more. The only reason we're doing this podcast right now is because we talk about These athletes, the only reason first take undisputed, whatever sports show you want to name has these ratings is because of these topics that these athletes give them the ammunition to talk about. So I think we have to be more wary of that. Thirty five percent of pro athletes suffer from some form of mental health crisis. And I just I don't think just in pro sports is not taken seriously, but I think as a whole in culture
2: society it's not taken as serious. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's just a microcosm of society in general these days. And, you know, people don't realize how much goes into it. Depression isn't just being sad. It's not like you can just make yourself be happy like when you're sad. It's a totally different thing. And you mentioned the Dak Prescott situation with Cabellus, and that to me was the most blatant and sad example of it. When Dak Prescott lost his brother last year, he said over the summer – that he was dealing with depression and he was having a tough time working out, especially with COVID. And Skip Bayless said, I don't have any sympathy for go- for him going public-, going public with, I got depressed, I suffered depression early in COVID to the point where I couldn't even go work out. Look, he's the quarterback of America's team. If you reveal publicly any little weakness, it can affect your team's ability to believe in you in the toughest spots and it definitely could encourage others on the other side to come after you. Which, one... You just don't get it. You just don't understand the big picture of life. Two is ridiculous because if you remember, there was a game this season where Hayden Hurst, who was also a victim of mental health, came up to Dak Prescott after the game and commended him for speaking out about his dealings with depression. So it's just totally ridiculous, first of all. Second of all, I get it. It's a business. These guys are trying to make money. And when Stephen A. Smith says something like, Kyrie should retire... He makes a lot of money off of that because it generates a lot of clicks, even from people like us who are sitting here talking about it right now and how ridiculous it is. But like, we got to sit here and realize, like you said, these are real people, and it's just really sad that we forget that sometimes. And to me, the marquee quote to display that is from DeMar DeRozan. He said when he was going through his issues, I believe it was last year or two years ago. When he got traded. Yeah, he said... People say, what are you depressed about? You can buy anything you want. I wish everyone in the world was rich so they could realize money isn't everything. And, like, take that in for a second. Rewind this. Take that quote in for a second and realize that these are guys who are there. How are we going to say what things are like for them when they're telling you what things are like? We can't disregard that. And it's just really sad that, like you said, the people that the media count on to cover— like, these leagues would not run without these athletes. And, like, their their mental health, their life in general is just disregarded outside of the four lines of a basketball court.
1: You know, I think sometimes the media, sometimes they overlook the how the players feel. And even, like, the schedule that they're put through, like, 82 games. To be on a grind like that, night in, night out, practice, you're not seeing your family, that that could get kind of exhausting, like... You're you're on the road and you're you're a grown man. You got a family. You can't even see your kids. You can't you can't take your son to school. You can't mm-hmm. pick your daughter up from school. You can't take them to basketball practice because you got to go play a game at eight o'clock at night. And you know I think you know money doesn't cure everything. Like like Jack said, but um, it's just it's just definitely need to take it easy.
0: And especially in like I think the Western culture. I think I watched uh, I told you guys earlier like a couple episodes ago. I watched the movie soul. He was crying right? and stuff. Yes. <laughs> At the end of the movie. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to just plug it in. I know where I want to plug it in for a reason. I think what I got out of that movie, like a deeper message that I got from that movie is that, especially in a Western society, I'm talking about the United States specifically, we live kind of in like a rat race. Everybody wants to be either one of these two things or both, of the, or both of these things. They either want to be rich. They want to be famous or they want to be rich and famous. I think that's what that's personifies what people want to be especially in this society. So, I think people in that chase forget that our purpose is not to be whatever you think you want to be, but just to live and be present in what is there and what is life right now. I think the purpose of life is to live life. And we see a lot of times when people get to that stage that that they always wanted to get to they're not happy with it and it's because that was never what was going to make you happy what what's going to make you happy is already there you're just not
2: looking at it directly it's about enjoying the process everybody says you know the process is more enjoyable than the goal the finish line because it's all about the emotions that you feel going through life and stuff like that but you know th- this isn't even something This isn't even a mental health example, but last night on TNT, I'm sure you guys saw it. Donovan Mitchell goes off for 37 points. Incredible game. And Shaq goes on and, and says right to his face, I was just talking about how, you know, I love your game, but I don't think you have what it takes to take it to the next level. What do you have to say to that? Like, is that good for the game? Is that good for your audience to see? Just your analysts belittling the players that they're covering, and yeah, it's just they, becoming, like, that's what it is now, and I love it the inside the NBA crew. I think they put together a really good product. Ernie Johnson is one of the best in the business at what he does, but, like, what do you serve to gain out of just straight-up belittling players to their face? There's time for criticism. There's no question about it, and this podcast and sports media in general wouldn't exist without that, but Stuff like that, it just it. What it? What do you gain out of belittling for no reason the guys that you're covering? You know what? That's an example of. That's an example of.
0: Let's say James Harden or whoever it is has a triple double, and then like the first reply on Twitter is like, "You have no rings, though." You know this? That's like the thing. <laughs> yeah, right? that sounds like that. Me, though. That that's kind of what. That's <laughs> what. That's what Shaq did. That's exactly what Shaq did. Oh, Donovan Mitchell had a good game. They're on a seven game win streak. Oh, but you're not going to win the finals, so this yeah, doesn't matter regardless. I think, I
3: think in a situation like that, the only thing you can do or the right thing to do is to just praise him about his performance and how he willed his team to win. I think if he lost, then you, I guess you could have snuck that in, but he won, he just had 37, he's been playing phenomenal, his team has been on a roll. Like, talk about that, give him some flowers, like prop him on that. Shaq, we know you're a legend, we know you're one of the best all the time, but you don't need to hate and do that to a player who's just a young guy in this league that just wants respect from the legends.
0: Yep. And sadly, after talking <laughs> about this topic, we're about to criticize some players right now. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows our hypocrisy. But before okay. we go on, we're gonna do a little uh technical delay. Uh, but we're still gonna keep running. So, Jack, hit that number four for me. There's something that says level, right? Okay, now put the pl- press the plus button. What is it on right now?
2: Thirty
0: one. Go to thirty eight.
2: Yeah. Okay, now,
0: now press the home button that's there.
2: Which one it's is the that? Whole, the
3: home Yeah. Right there. Oh. Come on, bro.
0: The okay, home. Okay, now you're good. The home. That, that's his levels because the mic was really low. So, My levels? No, his levels. Yeah, gotcha. Allen's levels. So now after that, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons now. The Philadelphia 76ers are playing really well right now, but a player that is not living up to expectations or what everybody expected of him to be is Ben Simmons and the question is will he ever reach his ceiling and I'll go first on this one I don't think Ben Simmons will ever reach the ceiling that we once had for him he was a player that got compared to Giannis he got compared to LeBron even when he was a rookie
3: Magic people Johnson. thought he
0: was going to be the next penny and Embiid and was going to be Shaq he got compared to Magic Johnson but I'm here to tell you that he is a better Draymond Green. He is he is <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he is not going to be a superstar level player. I remember when we had this debate with Jack the other on um, one of these episodes, I forgot which one, I one. And Jack said he could be the second best player on the championship he team. And I third. said, no, he cannot. He can be a third, but he cannot be a second. He does everything right. He rebounds well. He passes well. He's an all world defender. But as a scorer, he is not aggressive at all. He doesn't look to score. And for anybody else that is a role player, you might like that because sometimes role players think they're better than they are. But in terms of Ben Simmons, like he's supposed to be that guy. He's supposed to be aggressive night in and night out. For me, I think he's Draymond, just a better version of Draymond. Draymond, we know he scores four points a night, but we're okay with it because we know he's making impacts. Ben Simmons, he'll be like an 11-point-per-game score. Maybe a little bit more, maybe like 14, 15. But that lack of a jump shot is always going to hurt him. And when I compare him and Draymond, Simmons is a better rebounder. He's a better passer. He's a better scorer. But Draymond, I think he's a better shooter. Better leader. Better leader. He has more energy, especially on a defensive end. He talks more.
3: His versatility is better.
0: Too. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I don't think Ben Simmons will ever be that all-world player that we once thought he was going to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even in his best year, he was a borderline all-star. He barely got into the all-star game. Somebody got hurt, Goran Dragic, or yeah. one of those guys. I know that he barely got into the all-star game. He's never going to be a superstar player. This what you're seeing now is his ceiling. This is who he is going to be.
3: Ugh. And it's 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 crazy to say that because he has all the potential in the world to be a top ten player in the league. And it's just this year is a weird year. You know, you've watched the uh, Sixers over the years, and you noticed Ben Simmons. He was. A mild 17, 18 point per game score, eight rebounds, eight assists. This year, his numbers in the scoring have dropped. And it, and I think with him and Draymond, it was a good comparison. The difference with Draymond on offense, I think Draymond will take the open three. Ben Simmons won't even shoot the three. Like, it's not even, he'll just stand there and He's wait. He's shooting it now. When he airballed one, and I think that threw me all the way left. I was just like, wow. But yeah, it's, it's I don't, I don't, like, it's hard. I don't know what's wrong with him. Like, it's like, He lacks confidence in his offensive game. Even when he attacks the basket, you only notice he takes shots in a fast break. And a half court set, he really is scared to take shots. And it's like, it's a weird concept because you've paid him damn near a max contract to be that number two guy or that number one guy. And he has the potential to do it. And you see Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, you put the battery in his back and now he's an MVP candidate. With Ben Simmons, I feel like he's going to hold Embiid back because he's not living up to potential that... He should be living up to like this is a, a tandem that we thought was going to be one two like Jalen Brown and Tatum like they were going to dominate the league and Ben Simmons just hasn't done it.
2: I still don't think this is his ceiling though. I think that, <laughs> I I still think he like you Jack. you even said it at can the he beginning. be a
0: twenty point per game scorer? He
3: has he has the tools to. I don't know what's wrong with
2: him. I don't know about twenty, but he's been a, a sixteen seventeen point per game scorer in it's his career. Year. You know what I'm saying? Like it's there, and yeah. I I I'm saying. He can be a star player in this league. He can't be a superstar, I don't think, in my opinion. He can be a star player in this league. He right now is an all-star caliber player. He's not playing great basketball at this moment, but last year he was an all-star caliber player. Like you you know what he is right now and I think he has potential to be better, but the only person standing in his way is himself and it goes back to his early days in Philadelphia continuing Jack.
3: all the way to now. Let me ask you a question. I just want to just slide in. Let me ask you a question. With the talent coming in over the years, do you honestly believe Ben Simmons is still going to be a star player? I'm talking about these big guards that can actually shoot. Yeah, I definitely
2: are, think he can be a star you, player. You think
3: so? With all these guards coming in that are not scared to score, that can shoot better than Ben. Like, well, let's say it, LaMelo you, just you get, walked in. you got to
2: let me finish. All right. Yeah, just. It's, if, to me, it's just, more, <laughs> it's just more of a mental thing to him. Like, You, I've been hearing reports for years now that Elton Brand and the Philadelphia 76ers have been trying to get him to improve that jump shot. They've brought in shooting coaches. They've had assistant coaches trying to help him. And he just refuses to accept that help. And and he tries to fix his jump shot on his own. He tries to fix his jump shot in the offseason. And somehow, nothing changes with the jump shot. And he doesn't even end up shooting them. He's attempted a couple this year, but he's still not even attempting a three a game which is just not good, and if you're going to be doing that, you need to be confident attacking the basket, and he hasn't shown me that this year either, which I've seen from him in the past. I watched him in series against the Nets, in games against the Nets in the past, where he has had that bulldog mentality. He's gotten to the rim with no fear. I know he has it in him, but it's just like sometimes he, or most of the time, he just turns it off. I haven't seen him, at all this season, show that mentality. And I don't know where it is. I don't know if he's not, like if he just doesn't feel that anymore, like if he doesn't want to be that guy. But I know he has that potential. He has all the tools. He just needs to, to work at it. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. He just needs to be willing to be coached. He needs to be willing to put in the effort. And he's just, he, he hasn't shown me that at all this season. And it's, it's shown in the box score. Like, you could see it in his stats.
1: <laughs> I think we have to look at the limitations that Ben Simmons has and how it holds back the team. As a, as a guard, we, we're, we're in a league now where all five can shoot. So the fact that he's a primary ball handler and he can't shoot the ball is a problem. You got to think about it. People who probably play him probably start playing him at the free throw line because he's not a threat. Which means that realistically you could get into the passing lanes and you could get steals and go the other way. So I think that that's something that we have to acknowledge.
0: Look, I I totally agree. And this is why I hated people that said <laughs> that Ben Simmons was if Houston got Ben Simmons, they should have pulled the trigger on the trade right there. Why? Like Ben Simmons, one, he would not work well with John Wall. That's that's one. Two He's not a superstar player, and people people expect, people expect that if Ben Simmons was in Houston to play like this five-out style that D'Antoni played, but that's not the system Houston is running anymore. Houston is not that anymore. They are not that. I don't think that Ben Simmons anywhere would have been like a – he would have just ascended out of nowhere to like a 20 to 25 point per game score. I think that aggressiveness – you're either aggressive or you're not. It, you that's it. We've seen it with Lonzo. We know we know that he's not that guy. We he's a he's a floor general. That's what he is. That's what Ben Simmons is too. And you talked about playoffs. He might have did that a couple of plays with the Nets, but in terms of series, a body of work, he's been awful in the playoffs
2: too. I, I can tell you though that series against the Nets, he killed. I can I ask a question?
3: Because um, we've seen guys transition to a new spot and just play absolutely better, like D-Lowe. Left L.A., went to Brooklyn, found a home, became an All-Star. Even Andrew Wiggins right now, he looks much better than he's looked in Minnesota and Golden State. He looks more aggressive. He looks like he's going play defense. He looks like what they thought they were going to get. Do you guys think a change in environment for Ben Simmons would turn him into that guy?
0: No, I think he is what he is. That How many How many years has he been in the league? Four or five?
3: Counting his redshirt year? Um, yes,
0: counting his redshirt year. Five, six? Five, yeah. Look, for me... I have a rule. After, <laughs> after four years in the NBA, you are who you are. That's just my opinion. Like After four to five years in the NBA, who you are is who you're going to be. There are some exceptions, but most of the time, after four to five years, the player that you are then is probably the player
2: you're going to be. If you never improved your game, you're probably not going to improve after that. He was drafted in 2016. So he's technically been in the year for 5 year, in the league for 5 years, but he's played 4 years. I, I, I still believe, I right? count
0: that as 5 cuz he got NBA training that whole year.
2: He had the redshirt year. Uh I I don't think I was going to mention exactly what you mentioned. I don't think it would turn him into like I don't think he would take the jump like D'Angelo Russell as a scorer. I don't know if he'll ever be a 20 point per game scorer, but I do think a change a change of scenery can help him just because I don't know how him and Joel Embiid fit together. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're the perfect match. And I feel like if you put the right crew around Ben Simmons, it could help elevate his game a lot. That's the question.
0: Is Ben Simmons good enough to put exactly. a crew around exactly. him? and exactly. want okay, to exactly. so exactly. plug him That's in. That's
3: the problem. You, you, you don't think if they trade Draymond for Ben Simmons and no, they get Golden, cleansed, State yes, I'm saying, Golden State yeah, just makes that improvement? Well, on
0: paper they do. I don't know because Draymond... I know this box score does not show up, but no, he I, yeah, is yeah, really I know. it he does, really different. 100 It makes a difference.
3: But you get, a, he, you get if, a younger guy.
2: If Simmons is willing to buy in there and do what Draymond did, no, and play the role that Draymond played. You get 2 old Simmons, shooters.
0: Simmons' problem is not buying in because he's a hard worker. He does what he has to do. He's just not that guy. Like It's just as simple as that. Is he a hard I, worker? I
2: personally question I his he, work he ethic.
0: Shows up, He shows up to every game, and I think if you're – an all NBA defender, you are a hard worker because to put up to put that much effort on the defensive side of the ball. But
3: he puts little effort on the offensive end. I mean, like, 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 we can. Like, I just
0: think he lets the game come to him.
3: Okay, oh, yeah. because I think like Lugan Dortz is a guy who his jump shot was broke last year, and he comes into this year, and you see the improvement. Yeah, I like, think
2: he. I think he plays very hard, but yeah, I think he. I don't comes think to play he's hard that every hard day. of a worker. Like you look at Giannis. Giannis to me is. The embodiment of a hard worker. What is the biggest complaint that we've had about him? His jump shot. He's not there yet as a jump shooter, where you're scared of you his see jump the shot. But it's improved year. pretty much every season. And Ben Simmons like, has not improved
3: at like all. Jimmy Butler as a jump was considered, he was a hard worker. He would improved every year. For me,
0: like, I think that Ben Simmons he does work hard. I just think that this is the player he always was, which is why we're not seeing an exponential growth in his stats. I like, I just don't I think everybody had a misconception of who he was gonna be.
3: He doesn't even have a mid range, like, bro, like you just, like. He doesn't have a
2: pole, like. I just I, I I've seen it from him before. I know he has it in him, but he just has not shown. We've well,
0: seen Terrence Ross score fifty.
2: Not not consistently though. I mean, I've seen multiple multiple performance. <laughs> it's There's not it no no no. It's not about scoring fifty consistently, but. Terrence Ross did not show that ability to score like that consistently. I'm just saying, we've seen seen out of Ben Simmons on multiple occasions that he can play better than he does. I don't know what it is about him, but With Ben Simmons,
3: you're always, like he said in the playoffs, offensively he's shown to stink it up. But you're always going to see the same thing with him. All-road defense guarding the best player, the playmaking, the rebounding. You're going to see those every night from Ben Simmons. It's just, can he become that guy where he can... Not be a liability on the offensive end because that's what he is right now. And it's holding Philly back.
2: I, I so, would, final takes. Hold up. What are you going to say right now? I would like to see him somewhere else. But the problem is, like you said, he's not good enough to build a team around him. So, it's, <laughs> it's hard to. There's only 24. Teams. So,
0: this is the final take. And this is the last question. Will Ben Simmons make an All Star team again? And if you say yes, how how many do you think he has in store for his career? I think I'll he, start with you, Riff.
3: I think he has two or three in him. I think he has a smooth two or three. I think that's it, though. If he continues to play like, I think he'll probably bump up to eighteen, eight and eight. And he can sneak in All Star. I think Draymond has snuck in All Star game, so I think he can sneak in another one.
2: I think he'll definitely make at least one more. I think he'll probably be like. Three or four, but I don't think they come with the Sixers. I don't be, think he will be with the Sixers much longer. He's going to be a guy that has a bunch of
3: all-defensive teams his whole life in like, two, three All-Stars, and that's probably it. How about you,
1: Adam, listen, what do you think? I'm going to be honest. Probably two times, Max.
2: It, here, here's my thing on it. Daryl Morey showed in Houston he's not afraid to make moves. He wants the, the Sixers to win while they have their window here, and I think Joel Embiid is the guy they want to build around. This is my final take. Oh,
3: he's a two-time All-Star. Okay.
2: This
0: is my final take. If he stays in the East, I think <laughs> two, maybe three. If he goes to the West, oh, oh no, no. He's, not he's not making it. <laughs> he's not making it no more. If he goes to the West, he is never touching the All-Star game again. Well, the
3: West is loaded with Yeah, he won't it, make it. it yeah. It's
2: hard to say because we just, with the next crop of talent yeah. coming up, like you don't know who, who's got next. DeMar so. DeRozan was a consistent All-Star on the East. He went to the
0: West. We don't even hear about him. He, I'm was just cons- he was
3: consistent 27, 26 points per game score, so he's, that's, it's going to be really hard for Ben Simmons to get in, especially at the guard position, because if he goes to the West, he would never get in over Dame Stephan. His, his,
2: his potential is much higher if he leaves Philadelphia, in my opinion. So right now, a team
0: that went to the finals last season, the Miami Heat, they're on a kind of a slow start. They're currently 6-7. and seven. At the time of this recording, they've played 13 games, and... I think the question everybody's asking is, was last year a fluke? Was last year just a Cinderella story? My friend here, Allen, is a Miami Heat fan. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, what do you think? Do you think the Heat was last year just a fluke season?
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I, I really don't. And I'm going to tell you why. I think now we're really banged up. You've seen that at the end of the finals last year. We were banged up. We took the Lakers to six games while being banged up. Um, bam, his shoulder was hurt. And then, um, Gordon, you know, he was big for us. He, he got hurt, but I just, and, and Jimmy too, Jimmy was exhausted. And then with the short off season, you know, like I, I know the guys are exhausted, but I just want to see how everybody comes back and, and just how it comes together. And I want to see also what Pat, what management and Pat Riley does during them, during, you know, um, the trade season and yeah, stuff, the trade season.
0: So right now they've played 13 games and Butler has only played six. I was watching a game earlier, the Mavs and Heat. The Mavs blew out the Heat, and they were at full strength. And for me, I I don't think that last year was a Cinderella story per se. I think that they shocked everybody when they beat Milwaukee, when they rolled over Milwaukee like they did, and against Boston, they played really well, and they gave the Lakers a fight. If they were healthy, I don't think they would have won, but they would have gave them a better fight. For me, though, this year they're not even in the conversation like they're not you have the nets they are not beating the nets in a seven game series boston i think is better they can maybe beat them Milwaukee they could probably beat them hmm philly i'll give the i'll give the edge to philly this season i'll give the edge to philly listen they're 6 and 7 they lost to the magic bucks Mavs, Celtics, 76ers twice and pistons so most of the most of those losses aren't bad Bam is averaging nineteen. Tyler Hero averaging seventeen, but I still don't think I think they're a star away. And the fact that Giannis signed an extension, Harden's in Brooklyn now. Where are you going to go? Are you going to try to trade for Zach Levine or Bradley Beal, or you try to go get Victor Oladipo? I don't think Oladipo or Zach Levine puts them over the top. I don't think Bradley Beal does either. I think Bradley Beal makes him much closer. I think Bradley Beal is a superstar. It's
2: fair. I, I really think <clears throat> There's a big difference between Bradley Beal and the two guys you named, but still, yes, there is. I'm sorry. Oh, I'll wait till I I like, wait Zach, till. I like Zach Levine, but there's a – I shouldn't say a big difference, but the impact that he makes, I feel like would be much bigger than Zach Levine or especially Victor Oladipo. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think that last year was like a fluke. I don't think it was a Cinderella story. I do think they got hot at the right time. They were incredibly well coached throughout the playoffs. Eric Spoelstra did a great job with you know not only his rotations, getting his young guys in at the right minutes, and game planning. Uh, that game plan that they had set up against the Bucks was exactly what you needed to do, needed to do to beat a Giannis-led team. And every team does. And they they, well, just they, they executed it to con- pervert yeah. to, to perfection. And I they agree. had
3: how many teams have done that?
0: I'm just saying it's not how many some. Teams it's, not some genius, it's not two? some genius. It's not some genius game the teams plan. Those are two teams that
3: beat him. It's,
0: it's not right. some genius
2: game plan. We act like he created the blueprint. Well, the two teams that have really done it have been the Raptors, yeah. who won the finals, and the Heat, who and went the to Nets, the finals. and that's uh, when they had Harden and KD. They did it.
3: Yeah, one by two, and that's because KD had to hit a big shot. It's no, Kyrie,
0: he didn't play. All
3: right, it was, a re- it was a regular. Yeah, we're going to do that. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm saying the two teams that did it. I'm talking. You want to talk?
2: I'm talking playoffs. Playoffs, there's two teams that have done it. It's been the heat with Bam Adebayo, who went to the finals. The Raptors. Who well, he with, was up 2-0 on. With Siakam, Ibaka, Gasol, Leonard, and they went, they won the finals. So it it's not as easy as people think it is. But I don't think it was a Cinderella story as much as it was they got hot at the right time. They were coached really well. They had a good road to get to the finals. And now you're starting to see the effects of having the second shortest offseason in NBA history by one day to the Los Angeles Lakers, even though they're playing great. They kind of reloaded more and differently than the Miami Heat did. And, Mm -hmm. you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis aren't going through the same thing that Jimmy Butler is right now. He's missed half the season to this point. So I don't think this team that we're seeing right now is what the Miami Heat are going to be. You said it, though. I still don't think they're going to compete. With the Nets or the Bucks, they're in that situation. With like the Sixers, the Heater are, are right there, and maybe the Pacers, the Celtics are in that in that cat in that next step down. The Pacers would probably be on, like a tweener in that group, but I think that's the next level of teams in the Eastern Conference. I, I don't the- think they can win the Eastern Conference, but. If everything goes right for him, who knows? I get that the Pacers are playing well, but I still have to see
0: them in the playoffs.
3: Me too, because yeah. he just swept them last yeah. year. like They didn't win a game. Um, Cinderella story, ah, you could call it that. You couldn't call it that. I think, like like Jack said, they got hot at the right time. And like Joel said, they ran into some matchups where they can exploit. Boston just came down to a dogfight. Milwaukee, they just throttled. In the finals, they weren't fully healthy, but they still gave L- they still gave L.A. a fight. This year, like Alan said, they haven't been healthy. There, there's been two guys on the team that's played the full season. Jimmy Buller has missed half the season. Bam has been in and out. Duncan, had, Duncan and Precious, who's a rookie, is the only two guys that's played the full season. And I think they're missing that wing depth that they had. Jay Crowder, I think, is being missed. DJ Jay is being missed, too. So I think they're just still trying to adjust. But, yeah, they are another star away, and I think... I wouldn't say Bradley Bill puts them over the top, but I think he definitely makes them one of those teams where you're like, okay, we can't sleep on. I
0: think Bradley Bill, if he goes to Miami, it's now Nets and Miami. No other team in the East matters. That's just my opinion.
2: Um, I would, I would still have the Bucks over the Heat, but I look, have I know you want to have the Bucks, well, but, no, but wait, the Bucks wait, are wait, pretenders. Wait, Let's wait, just be wait, honest. Wait, 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 Let's wait, just wait. be honest. I disagree. Um, the Bucks are pretenders. Can I finish
3: what I'm saying? Thank you. Um. Oh, that was actually a really bold take you just said. Uh, you think Bradley Bill puts him over that much?
0: Yes, yes, he so, does.
2: So wait, let me. But you also got to consider what they're giving up in the package too. Exactly. Mm. Tyler, Tyler Hero, Hero, another guy. He's first go, He's been the second best player on the team this season.
0: Yeah, Bradley Bill would be the first. If no,
2: obviously, go. of course. But you're still loo- like, you're it's losing not Like, not like you're not losing anything. Look, Droger I don't know what I don't know what the package would be.
0: I just think that Bradley Beal will make them the second best team in the Eastern Conference. Right now, I don't. they didn't make enough moves in the offseason for me to call them a better team. The Sixers got better. The Celtics got better. They got benched now. They got a bench now. The Nets, we know they got better. The Bucs, to an extent, got better even though, look, as long as Giannis cannot shoot, the Bucs will not make it to the finals. That's, that's just point blank, period. Teams are going to continue to guard him like they're guarding him now, they don't have a chance if he doesn't have a jump shot. Even a mid-range jump shot would help. Right now that's why I think the Bucks are pretenders. That's exactly why the Heat needs to trade for a star. I think the most reasonable one is probably Victor Oladipo because he won't command much. You can probably get a Victor Oladipo for a first-round pick and Precious Achiwa. Like in personally I think you can.
3: You need you got to you gotta match the cap.
2: You could you could maybe throw something like Kelly Olynyk. Yeah.
3: I just uh, – Bradley Bill, I don't know. I still – Boston is still a very tough team come playoff time. You know they're going to play hard every game. You still got Philly. Uh, I think Miami still, when healthy, has the personnel to beat a lot of teams in the East aside from the Nets. Well, Bam healthy. Yeah, I still think they have the personnel to beat Boston right now. I still think they have the personnel to beat Indiana, Philly. I just – like outside of the Nets, I still think come playoff time, if they are healthy in the seven-game series, they can beat anybody. But like you said, they need a superstar to get them over the top. Bradley Beal maybe can help that. Then you have a a trio of Beal, Butler, and Bam. That's a pretty dope trio. I like that trio. I just I don't know if that I would easily put them over Boston because Jalen Brown's got better. Jason Tatum has emerged. That would be a tough series. The Nets, you know, Kyrie, Harden, and Katie. So I don't I I don't Uh no. I'm saying like the Nets, yeah, like yeah, they're better. So I I don't I don't know, but I think they definitely need to. If not for Get Bradley Bill. Get a consolation prize to just be competitive this year and then make some moves down the line.
2: Yeah, I think the problem for them is, you know, their long game was Giannis, and they did not expect him to sign that extension with Milwaukee, and now he did, and they kind of really don't have much left on the table now. So do you wait? They could wait out this season, see what they do this year, and then go get Victor Oladipo and Make free a pitch agency. for Kawhi. But, you know, it's just a question of how much time do you think you have I believe Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn's contracts are up after Duncan, this season.
3: Duncan, Kendrick, Olenek, Leonard. So as a Heat so. fan,
0: what player would you want out of the ones that we named, or do you have somebody else in mind?
3: I needed LeBron. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like,
1: <laughs> I feel like I could sit here and name a lot of people we need. Giannis, like, you know, he signed the extension. That was pretty much dead. Bradley Beal, he is a good guard. I just feel like we need more of a forward. You know, I felt like in the finals that that's what it was lacking. Like. And in Jay, like he said, Jay Crowd is gone. So I, I think more more in the forward position is where we should be looking. But
3: so Kawhi is the only free agent, like elite free agent this year. Are they even
0: going to have cash space to heat?
3: Yeah, if they yeah. let all these guys go, oh, yeah. but then they would have to make a pitch. And if he says no, so. then you just <laughs> lost everybody for
2: nothing. I, I don't think Kawhi is leaving Los Angeles personally. I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. After the way they started this season. Yeah, I think it really it, depends on how to end. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think point. for him to
3: leave, they will have to end like last year, like just, something around yeah, there. Just,
2: just the way things are looking right now in Los Angeles, I would feel very confident saying he stays. So right now, there are a lot of teams in the NBA
0: that are surprising most people. So this segment is catered to the, just that. We're each going to name the team that has surprised us the most. I'm going to go first. I actually have this is I have three choices. I'm only going to go into depth with with one because it's going to be too long. But I just want to give like an honorable mention type of thing. (coughs) So the Jazz, I think they've been playing great. The Pacers have been playing great too. But the team that I'm going to go in depth with that I've been most surprised by this season is none other than the New York Knicks. Of
2: course.
0: The New New York Knicks, they are playing phenomenal basketball. Man, they're way better than the Chicago Bulls you got over there (laughs) going on. Listen, right now, in 2019, the Knicks – were 18th in opponent points per game. They were 23rd in defensive rating. This year, they are first in opponent points per game and 6th in defensive rating. We did a segment about Tom Thibodeau to New York. I told you, he'll get Julius Randle to play defense. I told you back then, you might have forgot. But in that video, you disrespected the Knicks a lot in that in that video. No, I didn't. Yeah, you disrespected the Knicks a lot. I said Tim was going to help defensively. You disrespected the Knicks a lot. I could pull up the clips. The Knicks defense oh right now goodness. was first in opponent field goal percentage. First and opponent three-point percentage. And this team is basically the same. We added OB Toppin, who's not a known defender. Emmanuel Quickly, who wasn't known as a defender in college. Alec Burks, who's not a defender. And Nerlens Noel, who is known as a defender. But he doesn't even get much minutes. The difference has been Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau has coached this team tremendously. The culture of New York has changed. RJ Barrett has taken that second-year leap. And we got players to buy in like Julius Randle... And Alfred Payton, they're not passing the ball just to each other anymore. They're sharing the sugar. Everybody's getting touches. This is a team effort. If you want to look at a collective team effort, if you want to look at a real team, look no other than the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks right now are a real legit team, and they've brought hope back to the city of New York. RJ is taking up the challenge. And listen, man, I know that I changed my team because Harden went to the Nets. But I look, I will always I'm oh, always God. a Knicks fan at heart. I bleed blue and orange. No, you don't. And, <laughs> simple as that. I'm and green, because I'm a Jets fan. The Knicks will always be in my heart. And when they do good, I smile. But I'm gonna also smile when Harden wins the championship with the Nets. I'm a fan of both teams. That's who I am right now. And the Knicks have had one of the toughest schedules in the league, and they're still playing good. They're eight and eight right now. And I just see them continuing to get better. And wow, you were wrong. Everybody was wrong about the Knicks. I was wrong about wait, the wait, Knicks. Wait, hold, hold on. I, I hold on. had them tanking for Cade.
3: The year isn't over yet. Let's <laughs> relax now. Let's calm down the year. We're not necessarily wrong yet. You just look good right now. Second of all, so when the Knicks are winning, you're going to praise them. But when they're losing, you're not a Knicks fan at the moment. That's what you're saying. No, I never When they're that. losing,
0: you are nowhere to be found. You are very <laughs> quiet. They were losing all the last year. I was very vocal about the Knicks last year. Okay, all right. Just, but so last year, Harden
3: wasn't on the Nets.
0: Yes, <laughs> so, so you so you just basically said that with no prior knowledge or no because they were they were on like I a really two
3: game losing streak and you were like quiet for like a week.
0: You didn't ask me. I kept talking you about kept the talking all about day. Harden. You was just talking about Harden, Harden, Harden. Well, of, of course, everybody was talking about <laughs> Harden. All
3: right, all right. Um, no, uh, shout out to the Knicks. They've been playing hard. Tibbs got them in that defensive culture. I already knew he was going to do that. Don't know what Joel was talking about. We had him in Chicago for years. So he had D. Rose playing defense. So I already knew Alpha and R.J. Barrett, and they was going to buy in. But um, my surprising team has to be the Indiana Pacers just for me because I didn't expect them to be this good. I know it's still early, but I had them as a borderline team getting in. I didn't expect Sabonis to make this big leap. I didn't expect Brogdon to be playing this well. So shout out to them. I didn't even expect – I thought Miles Turner was going to be traded. But now it's looking like he could still stay there and be a corner piece for them. So, shout out to Indiana for them. They've been playing really well. They have definitely impressed me. I have to see more in the playoffs, like we were just talking about. They have to show me some more, but it looks like they have a bright star in Sabonis. So, shout out to Indiana.
2: Yeah, I, like you did, I want to give some honorable mention teams. The Pacers, like you guys said, I probably would have picked them, but I wanted to go I, a little I think bit I know where you're gonna be. outside the box. I also want to give a shout out to the Cavs, and maybe it's recency bias, but their young talent has looked pretty good early on, and they're. You doing... were talking about blow the whole thing up. I was preseason. I was. <laughs> I but think we all were. I, 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 I didn't, didn't say. I, I, I didn't think that Sexton and Garland are were going to work, but I mean they've been so good offensively that the defense hasn't really mattered. Okoro has looked really good so far. I think he was a great addition for them, and obviously the Kevin Porter Jr. situation was a mess, but. I like the direction they're headed in. they still got a long ways to go, but if they could unload Andre Drummond for some assets, I think they'd do a good job this season. I don't think they should unload on him. I, I just don't see him fitting in their time frame. But the team that I really wanted to talk about is a little bit outside the box. I'm going to say the Oklahoma City oh,
3: Thunder. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Hornets.
2: No, 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 no. I, I really like what the Thunder have done this season. Another team that we said we thought was just going to be tanking, all Shea Gills Alexander, and, and you know you were just going to develop him. Get a lottery pick. And they're still probably going to be a lottery team, let's be real. But I've been very impressed, like I said with the Cavs, with their development of young talent. And, and I could go down the list. Shea, Lou Dort has taken incredible steps in his game. Darius Baisley has been really good. Um, Isaiah Roby has been really fun to watch. Tommy Diallo. So it's all these young guys really contributing. And then even guys like George Hill and Al Horford have not been bad for them. So they got this... Weird crop of good veterans and young talent, and it just seems like anything they touch turns to gold. So, I, I really can't wait to see how this team develops over the next couple of years between the picks, the young talent, the old, the, the veteran leaders. They are just in a great position, although it's not showing up on the win loss column right now. They keep an eye on them because they're fun to watch right now, but they are going to become a great team over the next couple of years.
1: A team that um, I think are, are the sleepers. I'm going to have to go with not sleepers because everybody's awake, but I think the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> the Phoenix Suns, I'm not going to lie. They're fourth in the West right now. And with the addition of Chris Paul, they're looking solid. Him, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. You know, you could say a little big three is coming together there. DeAndre Ayton doing the dirty work, but I just, I think that's going to play out good over time. I think Chris Paul is going to help Devin Booker out a lot when it comes to playoff and playoff experience and pedigree and all of that good stuff. So I just, uh, I got Phoenix and I got them.
0: Phoenix is a great team. I could have went with Phoenix too. Just to recap. You have the Pacers.
3: Oh, you gotta, we gotta get some flowers at the Charlotte Hornets too. Like that—that's a team. You know, you,
0: when you say Charlotte Hornets, you you say it like Luke somebody's Cornette. teaching you how to say it. Really? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> so okay. Hornets. Sorry, yeah, Hornets. Hornets.
3: Whatever. Hornets. Like, whatever.
0: Hornets. Hornets. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> Ro has two two words at the same time. Hornets. <laughs> it's
3: just it's just the way I talk. Like, there's I'm like a pause uh,
0: when he says yeah, it. Like <laughs> Hornets. So he picked. The Pacers, you pick the OKC Thunder, you pick the Suns, and I'll pick New York Knicks. I think out of all the teams that you named, the most surprising is New York Knicks.
2: Oh, wow, what a surprise. I think it would be them.
0: I think OKC and Knicks are up there. Yeah, yeah, in the East it would be I you had, guys. I mean, personally, I thought the Suns were going to be playoff locks. I thought I the thought, Suns, I thought the I Pacers think, were going to be that, too.
2: I, I thought that both of them were going to be playoff locks, but they're still playing better than yeah. I thought they were going Like I thought that they were both going to be playoff locks— on like towards the bottom of the playoff teams yeah. to make it and they've both been top tier teams I wasn't as high
3: on Phoenix as you guys were so shout out to them they've been playing definitely well and I, I wasn't high on Indiana at all I thought they were going to be like a eighth yeah. and, and I
2: should also if you're going to say that I should give a shout to the Jazz because I was very yeah, you both critical were wrong the about the Jazz them. and we're
3: going to get on that very soon
2: the Jack was wrong about the Jazz
0: <laughs> you were wrong about the Suns too Yes, I got the video. I got the playback. You know, you know, wrong? you know. I, I edit the clips when I the, the clips I posted. Yeah, on watched, TikTok.
2: He re so it. I rewatch a lot yeah, of videos. Where was I wrong? What did I say? You were like, "Ah, I can't pick him to make the playoffs." <laughs> I don't know. When did I say I couldn't pick him to make the playoffs? I were, don't remember that. Oh, at you all. were a hundred
3: percent wrong about Cleveland. I remember that one like clear as day. Yeah, I like, wasn't? Yeah, but you were like going crazy, like yeah, blow it up. I don't know if they're gonna work. Like you were going crazy, and they just—they look good. I was like, oh. if
2: perfect. I remember, that was the Pistons that I said that about. No, you said about them too, but you didn't say what would well, the Pistons blow no, up. The piston, the Pistons. I went, I went off. Well, on. you said Cleveland
3: blow up the backcourt. That's what you said. You said they yeah, both can't because so I, don't,
2: I, I mean, still I have concerns about that defense moving forward. <laughs> yeah, but there defense. are teams. Uh, no, of, their defense is of the, number two of, the this,
0: of these of uh, these teams that we've named. You were really wrong about Phoenix. Like that look. For certain. We'd watch
2: the video. <laughs> I will. I don't remember saying that I couldn't pick them as a playoff team. You were was...
0: saying you're going to hesitate. You're like, I'm going to hesitate to do <laughs> it. We had to see how it was going <laughs> to work. Okay. So now, talking about most surprising teams, we're now going to fast forward to the teams that have been the most disappointing. And I'll start out. For me, obviously, I think I'm going to do honorable mentions again. I think the T-Wolves have been very disappointing. I know that Cat has been hurt Well, he's been out with COVID.
3: Yeah, he was wrong on that one.
0: The Wizards, Westbrook's injury, and a lot of COVID issues have got them where they are right now. The Raptors, I think everybody was wrong about the Raptors. Mm -hmm. But those are easy picks. I'm going to go with the team that nobody's really expecting. The team that I've been most disappointed by so far are the Denver Nuggets. (sighs) Jokic is playing phenomenal. We know he's playing at an MVP level. But I've been really disappointed in Jamal Murray. I thought Jamal Murray was going to take a All Star superstardom leap, but he didn't take it. Last year he was averaging 18. This year he's averaging 19. There really hasn't been a difference. And after a great bubble, I thought the Nuggets would have carried over that momentum to the regular season, but they haven't done so. Murray's averaging a career high in points, yes, but I thought he would be like somewhere around 25. I didn't think he was going to be at 19. I, at least I thought he was going to be at 20 or 23 you know but 19 I think that's a little bit underwhelming for me. He's averaging a career high in minutes too, but a career low in minute and in, in assists and rebounds and he's shooting worse from the field last year than this year and shooting lower from the three as well. For me, I don't think anybody realized how big of a loss Jeremy Grant was going to be to the Denver Nuggets. We see what he's doing and to their defense, the Nuggets wanted to bring back Grant. They were willing to pay him whatever he just wanted a bigger load offensively, and I think they've been extremely disappointing to start the game to start the season. Twenty nineteen, they were sixteenth in defensive rating. This year, they're twenty fourth in defensive rating. So that has slipped up a lot. They have been my disappointing team this year so far.
3: And I was gonna pick the same the same team. I'm mad you picked it just cause like you said, Jeremy Grant, but also Torrey Craig is gone. Mason Plumlee was gone. Like a lot of guys who was filling that backup. Like this team was a 10-man roster last year, and I think those guys are definitely – not to mention Michael Porter Jr. has missed the last 10 games. I think he comes back tonight. So I, that's another guy. But, like, like I wasn't as high on Jamal Murray making the leap as you was. I thought he's a guy that's going to – for a seven-game series, he can play like a superstar, but I never thought he would, for a full season, season be the guy that does that. So I, I wasn't high on him, but he's definitely been underwhelming, to say the least, based off what we've seen in the bubble – the Joker, he's been phenomenal. That's We can all agree to that. He's been outstanding. I think this team is just defensively they haven't been there, and they've started off really slow. I think they'll still make the playoffs. But I think we can all agree we all had them as a top three, four seed, and they just haven't looked that. So Denver is definitely one of my most disappointing teams. Honorable mention, I think Dallas. Dallas, he, they've gotten it going lately, but they they haven't looked – how i thought they were gonna look porzingis just came back and got him a w but they haven't looked how i thought they were gonna look i think they've been pretty inconsistent and it's crazy because they're still a top they're a top 10 offensive team ever in history as of right now like they are but they just have defensively they're good they just can't finish games the way i think they i thought they would so those would probably be my two teams yeah
2: i The honorable mentions, like you guys mentioned, the easy ones, like the Raptors. I think, no offense, the Heat have been a little bit of a disappointment this season. The Wizards have been a major disappointment. though They've had COVID issues and and things like that. But the team that I would pick is the Atlanta Hawks. And I guess you kind of could have seen it coming. I said it, and you guys love this quote. They spent like drunken sailors. They just threw their money around and brought in whatever talent they could find. And it just hasn't really fit. I, they've been hurt though. They, yeah, they've I, never had a. They've definitely of, dealt with injuries, but I question what the system is there because it just kind of seems like it's Trey Young and company, and it's just it, everything runs through Trey Young. Watching them is almost not even fun because he is the entire offense. Everything stems from him, and I get it. He's a great player. He's been playing awesome, but there's so much talent that I feel is being underutilized on that team. I don't know what the solution is. I know John Collins is not happy and it's been reported that he wants a big contract somewhere else. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But I just feel like with all the money they spent this off season, they kind of signaled that they were taking that leap to try and maybe not contend in the East, but be a a player in the East and they a playoff team. Yeah, they have not. I mean, they're a borderline playoff team right now and they have, I don't think they have any chance to compete with the top teams in the East. So, they have been a big disappointment for me.
1: Yeah, my um my top disappointed team, I would have to go with Toronto. You know, just with with everything going on, you know, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, I believe, got a new contract. And, you know, they're not even in the playoff picture right now. And that was a team that everybody was predicting to, you know, be in the playoffs. Like, that was, you know, a set lock that everybody would be like, you know what, you know what Toronto's going to be in. But... No, it's just not really looking that well right now.
0: So those have been the most disappointing teams. Me and Ariv picked Denver. Jack, you picked Atlanta, and Allen picked the Raptors. And those teams, I can say, have been disappointing. I would have picked Atlanta, but... You talked about Atlanta? Yeah. Atlanta, Atlanta, to me, before the season, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. They still have a chance now, but... I just I was never a believer in Atlanta.
3: I just think they've been so banged up, and the system, like Jack was saying, is just so Trey Young or bust. And, and John Collins had a point. You know, you got talent out there that you can a lot of yeah. Talent. You got guys out there that can make plays, playmakers, guys that can go get a bucket. You don't have just have to run everything through Trey Young and something with Trey Young. I, I remember ever since the Steve Nash comment. He's been playing horrible. You know he hasn't. He had a been, good game last game. Yeah, he had that one good game last game, but before that, he hasn't been playing good. He's been really inefficient. He's had a lot of turnovers. He hasn't been playing the way he wants to play, and I think that's more towards John Collins' comments than Steve Nash, but they both I feel like have affected his play. And you know what Joel said, the team has been healthy. I think fully loaded. They could once they get healthy, they'll make a run. But right now, they just they got to figure it out.
0: Shying away from who's been more disappointing. Now we're gonna talk about individual players. And players that have been surprising us, we're each going to list three. And the kick to this topic is that none of these players we're going to mention have ever been All-Star. So these are players that are just ascending now. For me, I have three players, right? Julius Randle is one of them. He's having a career season last year. Everybody bashed Julius Randle this year. He's played defense. He's done what he had to do. He's averaging 22, 11, and 6, and his efficiency is really good right now. I think he deserves a lot of credit. My second player is no other than Christian Wood. Christian Wood has surprised a lot of people who have not been watching basketball that intensely because last season with the Pistons, he showed flashes of this. Now with the Rockets, Stephen Silas told them, we want to play you like Porzingis, and he has kept his word, and he has played him like Porzingis. He's playing phenomenal, averaging half points per game, he's really 11 good. rebounds, and he's averaging two blocks too. You know, he's a lengthy center. Even though I think he could add more muscle because he gets bodied by bigger centers, I think he's a really good rim protector because he has that length. And the third is Jeremy Grant. He's averaging 25 <clears throat> points per game. He went to the East and just made it a mission to dominate the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Like, this guy's playing well, and I think if it wasn't for Jeremy Grant and the spark that he gave Detroit— we might, look at, we, we might be looking at Detroit in an even worse position than they are right now. Blake Griffin has been a disappointment. He's been terrible. He has been really, really bad. He's basically turned himself into a spot-up shooter. Jeremy Grant is their best player and their best scorer, and he has surprised me so far.
3: When we go next. All right, so you picked the three easy ones. I think you picked a lot. Christian Wood is a fan favorite of yours. You liked him since last year, so I'm, I'm going to go off the board. So my number one pick is Jordan Clarkson. I think 18 points per game, 25 minutes. He's unloaded off that bench. He's become that spark for the Utah Jazz. He's They gave him the keys, and they said, listen, we just want you to score. And that is something Jordan Clarkson is really good. He's ignited that team. And he is one of the key reasons why they're on a seven-game win streak. So that's my number one guy. Number two, Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's improved in every category. and it, it's Last year, he kind of did the same thing and kind of fell off. But I don't think that's going to happen this year, averaging 23 points a game. I think he's going to be that efficient guy, and he's been running that team well, and then got them at the top, so that's number two. And then number three, this guy <laughs> this guy I'm going to pick. It's going to be funny. <laughs> number three is Shake Milton. I think 17 points a game, 50% shooting, 35-3, 87 from the free throw line. I think he's been really good for that Philly team, and I think with Philly, the spacing has helped Embiid become an MVP candidate, and Shake Milton is one of the prime reasons. So I went with three under-the-radar guys and two bench guys, so that's the guys I'm going with. All
2: right, so feel special or something?
3: A little bit, just a
2: little bit. First, I want to give a shout-out to two honorable mentions, Christian Wood, Jeremy Grant. I felt like they were easy, though. I I, I tried to diversify a little bit here. I'll start with Chris Boucher, who's been awesome for Toronto. That's an easy one. Just, just it's a saying, fairly easy one. Just saying. neither of you guys said it though, so it can't be that easy. He's twenty eight years old, you know, Ayo. he's only six seven. You kind of thought you knew what you had. And he's come out and he's really blossomed. I mean, he's put up career highs in almost every night. No- in only twenty three minutes a night. He's averaging like fifteen and a half points a game, seven rebounds, two and a half blocks, and he's got the highest P E R on the Raptors by over ten points. So really? he's, he's like six nine. He's bu- sure about yeah, that? Yeah, just searched it up.
1: I, yeah, I knew that because I knew seven, he wasn't six yeah. seven. He was
2: definitely That's like, why he's six nine.
3: He's very lengthy though. So,
2: well, undersized at his position, I would say at the center position. Nonetheless, he's he's been really good. He's been probably one of the only bright spots for that Raptors team this year. So he's been really impressive. I'm gonna go with Curry, but not Steph Curry. Uh, Seth Curry,
1: okay, 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 has been a okay.
2: huge addition for the Sixers. He was super underrated on that Mavericks team too, I thought one of the most yep. efficient scorers. Portland, one of the too. most efficient shooters, I should say, in the league. One of the best three point shooters in NBA history, statistically. Um, but yeah, he's been really good and he's added a different dimension to that Philadelphia team that they didn't have last year with the shooting. Yep. And the, and the last guy, a guy who I actually had to check if he had ever been an all star because I thought he had, but I guess he hadn't behind the number one guy. CJ McCollum and it's a guy who I talked about okay. the Trailblazers potentially moving on from this offseason, but he has been right up there with Damian Lillard, if not better this season. And we're talking about a guy who, like Chris Boucher, you kind of thought you knew what you had, and he's just stepped it a whole stepped it up a whole nother level this season. Again, I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't think that this is what you're going to get over out of him over the course of a season, but he's been really good, and him and Dame... Are really keeping the Trailblazers heads above water right now, despite a lot of defensive troubles and rotation issues. But I think I think he's been really good this year.
0: Those are some good picks, but I just want to let you know two of those were easy ones. <laughs> <laughs> C J. and Chris Boucher.
3: I feel like Mons was definitely. I don't, the, I don't think no, Chris Boucher like, was. An I think easy his pick. list was
0: definitely like. Well, I he didn't yeah. expect it. Yeah. I had to
3: go dig deep. But Jack tried no. to throw shots. <laughs> he <did>. Jack throw, <laughs> he threw shots. He said you. you didn't pick him. He just, I, I seen that. I Jack seen threw that.
2: shots, and two of his players were players that... Uh, well, I mean, you guys said it was an easy pick, but neither of you said anything about him. Not even honorable I I, mention. I, I, I,
0: I didn't say Chris Boucher because I thought he was an easy one. I so thought, that's why I put Randall on But you now. said Jeremy Grant. I said Julius Randall, though.
3: Okay, but I feel like those, I feel like you're like three and then you're two. I, I knew somebody were going to say him. So I went guys that were surprising for real for real. Like who no, I, I, I knew you,
0: you were gonna do I knew one of you guys were gonna say Chris Boucher. That's why I said but Julius right I knew somebody
3: was gonna say Christian Wood. Like I knew somebody was gonna say Christian I mean
0: Wood. why wouldn't you add Christian Wood in this list? That's just disrespectful. <laughs> not nah, to it's like it. surprise like, who who
3: So
2: so are these are we gonna have to totally redo the list now? Because no, apparently thinks, these guys aren't surprising
3: no, at all. Who thinks Shake Millen's gonna average seventeen points a game like who who thought Chris Wood's was gonna
2: average twenty four?
3: Okay, and who thought <laughs> Jordan Clarkson was gonna put up 18? Who thought Jamie Graham was gonna
0: average twenty five
2: I mean, yeah, but these come are on. Good.
0: These, all of these picks are good. You guys are just hating.
2: <laughs> Especially, Jack. You were throwing shots. <laughs> I he did not shots. throw a shot. You threw a shot at me first, saying it was an obvious pick. <laughs> nah, but neither of <laughs> you guys said anything about him.
1: No, nah, you did, though. You did throw the nah, shot cause first. Nah, because he
2: threw
0: the shot first. That's what made me say that. But, Alan, what's your list? Who are your three players?
1: I'm going to be honest. My my three, they, these are a cakewalk. These are um, name brand names. I'm going to start with, um, with Shy. You know, I like I like his new fit in the Clippers. I like the way it looks. And... I just, I think that is going to help him excel as a player. Hey, no Shai Gilgis, Alexander? Yeah, oh, yeah,
0: on the Alexander. Thunder, on the Thunder.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. My fault. <laughs> and another one I like is also R.J. Barrett. I know yeah. I know you're a fan favorite, of R.J. Barrett. I, l- I like the way he, he and it Austin sucks. Rivers play. They line <laughs> no, up good, okay. yo. Know.
0: Where's Cam Reddish right now?
1: He's hurt. He's
0: left nowhere. Knee, left knee contusion. He's nowhere. That's where he is. <laughs>
1: And uh, my last one is um, John Morant. John Morant, he's he's just a bona. F- he's a, he's an all star just waiting to happen. Like he's just a problem.
0: Yeah, you wanted to throw shots on RJ. Where's Cam Reddish? You I picked. Just, I
3: just you, told you left you me. You contention. I to, just
0: told you that. You picked Cam Reddish to win Rookie of the Year last season. Those are biased picks, though. You knew. And I, then like, come on. <laughs> and then this year, I didn't pick him you, to win. Anything. You keep hating on RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett has been playing phenomenal these last five games. He has been balling out.
3: Cam Reddish plays with a ball hogging point guard.
0: Come on. Trey Young makes the game so much easier for everybody else. Left knee Cam contusion. Reddish just doesn't hit his shots. That's what it is. Left knee contusion. He, the same thing he did at Duke. He's not hitting the shots.
3: He's the best defender in the league, so it doesn't matter what you say.
0: Yeah, okay. So, okay, so just to wrap things up, I picked Julius Randle, Christian Wood, and Jeremy Grant. You picked Jordan Clarkson, Malcolm Brogdon, and Shake, and Shake Milton. You picked the two easiest guys, Chris Boucher, <laughs> the CJ McCollum, Boucher. and your third was who? Seth third? Curry. Seth Curry. Yeah, I had the no.
2: easiest list, but you can't even remember the third I, guy. I told
0: you my you list. had two. You had two that were that were uh, that were obvious. And you, Alan I think, had I wouldn't say
3: Chris Boucher is obvious. I don't think a lot of people know him.
0: And Allen and Alan had uh John Murray. Shea, Ja, and R J. So you had players, two players that were drafted in the same class and one that was drafted a year before. So that's the list. Those are the those are the players that have been most surprising to us. Now we're gonna go on to the Clippers. We're gonna talk about the Clippers real quick and teams that are in the Western Conference. So, what's been the biggest key to the Clippers' early season success? And I'll go first on this one. PG and Kawhi are both playing at borderline MVP levels. Kawhi is averaging twenty five. PG is averaging twenty four. But I think people are really underestimating two acquisitions that they made. One, Ibaka, we knew what he was going to bring. He can stretch out the floor. He's a really good rim protector, and he's agile enough to keep up with the guards on the perimeter. Another guy is Nicholas Batum. When when they have a lineup of Batum, Kawhi, and PG, that is a nightmare defensively because of the length that they have and Pat Bev. Nicholas Batum is shooting the three at a very efficient rate He's shooting 44% from three. He's averaging 10 points per game, and he's more of a point forward. He can slow down the tempo. He has some point guard skills because he he was an overseas player, so you know they bring that to the United States. And I think I'm going to name a third one, Luke Kennard. He's been phenomenal, and to trade Landry Shamit for Luke Kennard was a steal because Luke Kennard is a better, bigger player than Shamet so he can defend better even though he's not a good defender. And he's a better, he's a better player, too. He's just a better player than Landry Shamet. We're just being honest. <laughs> and he's shooting 51% from three, averaging nine points per game. So I think this, it's just been an all-around effort for the Clippers. And because PG and Kawhi are both dominating at the level that they are, the Clippers are this good right now.
2: You want to go or you want me to go?
3: I'll, I'll go. Um, I, I think the two superstars you can obviously point out, those are the guys they've been playing at an elite level. Paul George looks like he's back to his old self, shooting 50-50-90, averaging 24 points a game. I think what he what he said the other day in the Kings game was Tyron Lue was letting him be more of a playmaker, and it showed he had a double-double. He's he's become more of a playmaker, and when you have a lineup of Paul George, Kawhi, and Batum out there, I think it looks really good because Batum can play make. You see Kawhi, he's starting to learn how to be a better playmaker, and Paul George is always a good playmaker. Ibaka has been a great addition he can now pop out he he can now pop out and hit the jump shot he's also was a better defender than Harrell so I think starting him now you kind of have that versatility with Pat Bev Paul George Kawhi Batum and Ibaka you could switch almost anything and then that bench lineup you know Marquise Morris has taken upset Marquise Marcus Morris has accepted that role off the bench him Kennard Lou Will hasn't been playing good but we know he'll get it going eventually and Zubak, he, they've been a pretty dominant bench squad, and I think that's what's hitting on the nail. And everybody has bought into the Tyron Lue system. You see that there is more cognuity. The team is more well together. They see more chemistry, and I think they look better than last year's team in a lot of phases. So I think you got to give a shout-out to Tyron Lou. He's just got this team rolling.
2: Yeah, you mentioned, one, the two stars, and two, the offseason acquisitions. But to me, most importantly, it's been Paul George and Kawhi. They said this offseason that they needed playmaking. They wanted to go out and get a playmaker. They didn't really get that, so they took it upon themselves, and they've both done a spectacular job playmaking, which I think has been their most important thing this season. The offense has flowed so much better than it did last year. You know, it's not as much Paul George and Kawhi in the isolation as much as it's you know working through an offense and they've done a great job facilitating that and it's shown in the numbers they've been the best three point shooting team in the league this year by four percentage points they have seven guys on the roster that are shooting over forty percent from three on at least two attempts a game so they've been shooting the lights out of the ball which almost concerns me because it's hard to imagine they could keep that up over the course of a season but they have been doing it for fifteen games now so you know it, it's a good sign and I reading into them, you know. You also just hear about how tight knit of a group they've become this year. We're not in the locker room, so I, I can't, you know, confirm that or dispute it. But from what I've read, they've become a tight knit group this year, which I think is a stark contract to, a contrast to last year when it was Paul George and Kawhi living out their superstar deals and everybody else. And, yeah, and picking and choosing when they wanted to practice, whatever. And then everybody else was there. And it was a real big divide in that team. And it showed in the playoff series and everything that followed. Montress Harrell going to the Lakers and his comments on the way out. You could tell it was not a very tight-knit group last year. And they've changed that this year. It showed in their play on the court. And it's everything that we said they needed this offseason except getting a playmaker. And Paul George and Kawhi have taken that role. Even Nick Batum has done a really nice job playmaking for him. Nick Batum got a lot of hate. In Charlotte, because of his contract, and people kind of thought that he was a bad player because he wasn't living up to a max deal. Essentially, he wasn't. No, and he I didn't think I, he was
3: a max player. No, was yeah, difficult.
2: he he wasn't living up to the contract by any means. But he's still good. It's hard to judge him off the contract in when Charlotte, Charlotte was wasn't good. was yeah. dumb enough to give him the contract. They so were, I feel like I feel like people kind of underrated him because of how bad that deal was, and now playing in a reasonable deal in L.A in a better role fit for him, he's been much better and a huge part of that team's success this year.
3: Yeah, like, and I thought, and we were talking about it in the summer, I, I remember people were like, Doc, what, what could Tyron Lue do that is such a big upgrade from Doc? And like we said, I think him being more connected with the players and being a player coach and letting them make mistakes and putting the ball in position for them to be successful, I think that's what Doc didn't do. Doc kind of played the favoritism role, and Tyron Lou's not doing that. And I think that's what kept his team very successful to start.
2: They're holding each other
1: accountable this year. I think after the three one exit, they knew that that they couldn't come into this year on on anything else except one hundred percent. And um, I was watching an interview with Paul George, and and he said that he had to he had to perform better and he had to do better. And through the first beginning stages of the season, I I can say I have been seeing that he has stepped up and. Even, you know, like the complimentary you guys, you guys are saying Nicholas Batum, he could shoot it. Um Kawhi, he's always gonna be Kawhi. But Ty Lu, Ty Lu really looks like he's changing the identity of that of that team.
0: The Clippers have won five they have won five games by blowouts.
1: They I mean, also like, got blown out though. Yes, they did. They did.
0: <laughs> they're eleven and four. They're second in the Western Conference. Do you think that they need to make a move? Should they still go out and trade for a point they, guard, been or in
3: talks are they fine with the Pelicans to get Lonzo Ball? And I think Lonzo would be a pretty good pickup for them. I just don't know what they would give up. Yeah, I was gonna say, Lonzo. what would the price tag be? Yeah, I think everybody should be. I think giving up Pat Bev is cool. Yeah, I, yeah, think I would saying, definitely do that. But that I think giving up the shooting off the bench, I don't think that's what they want to do because that's been their go to, their niche, their niche. So I, I wouldn't do it, but that's been. I think they should definitely. I think Reggie Jackson's been good for them. Coming off the bench, I think Pat Bev has been good so far. He's been hitting at a pretty good clip. But I think that playmaking is good. I think Lonzo is a big upgrade from Pat Bev, aside from offense. So I I think they can go out and get him, but I don't think they should give out too much because they don't have many picks either, if any and at the all. Pelican,
0: the Pelicans are looking to trade the wrong point guard. They should be looking to trade Eric Bledsoe. He's horrible. Not Lonzo. They should be keeping Lonzo. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think Lonzo would be a great addition to the Clippers. Again, it just depends on what they would have to give up. I don't really think they should touch much of this core because they've been playing so well. You know, a move would obviously help them, depending on who it is, but when you look at this team right now, I think they're the second-best team in the West. They're the biggest threat to the Lakers in the West, and they're a real finals contender. So, you know, it just depends on these guys keeping the gasp Keeping their foot on the gas pedal and and playing this way all season, can they do that? Because they looked great last year too to start the year, and then they kind of slowly unraveled. Obviously, leading up to the three Some, weeks,
3: something that that was very uh it was that was uh brought out to my attention. I was watching the Kings game, and the amount of minutes that Kawhi and Paul George have played so far right now, they didn't get to touch that man the thirtieth game of the season last year, so them playing together is also something that's good. And I think like like you said they're the biggest threat to LA. They're even honest in my opinion, they're the biggest threat to the Nets outside of LA cuz they can match up. I think this is the one team that will give the Nets and the Lakers trouble just because of that they can match up 1 through 5. So I think it like like we said with playoff playoff P all the time. If he can be an actual playoff P, then this team can definitely be a threat, but so far so good.
2: I think I think this is the year we're going to get our LA LA matchup that we were supposed to get I so last yeah.
3: I hope so. I'm, we've been waiting for it, so I hope so. We've
2: been waiting for it, yes, this last year.
0: I hope that it happens, too. I don't know if they should make a move. I don't think trading Pat Bev for Lonzo makes them better. I don't because I think Pat Bev is a better shooter, and I think he's a better defender, too. I think he gives you that energy. He gives you that toughness. Yeah. If they could trade maybe a future first or – Pick swaps and seconds oh for Lonzo, and do they it. They have one. A, I two, think
3: they swap with you guys. You guys get the. I, I don't go. think
0: they should trade too much for Lonzo. A 1st round pick.
3: Yeah, uh, <laughs> who
0: wants that? <laughs> so right now the Mavericks, KP is just coming back. A couple nights ago, Luka Doncic was the youngest player to ever reach thirty How's triple doubles. Us, right? I think so. No, I, it was it was against the Pacers. Oh, okay. It was against the Pacers actually. He had thirteen points, twelve rebounds, and twelve assists. We all know what Luka is. He's one of the greatest players in the NBA right now. What, do you want to dispute no, that? No,
3: his, Shake Milton's nickname is Protein Shake. <laughs> That's why I did that.
0: So the Mavs right now are 7-7, seven and seven, but KP has only played nine games. Josh Richardson has missed six games. Dorian Finney-Smith has missed six games. And Kleba has missed five games. And just to correct my mistake, KP has missed nine games, not played nine games. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. Do you think the Mavericks are going to start getting on the roll? I know we all expected them to do better this season because we thought they were going to be fully healthy, but they started the season out slow. What do you think?
3: I think if they get everybody back, you know, Porzingis is back, so now you have your full squad back. And this is a team that's well-equipped to definitely make a run in the West. I think if if Porzingis is – I know he had a double-double last time he played. Or was it the game before? I don't quite remember which one it was. But I know if he's if he's back fully healthy and he's looking good, I think they're definitely gonna be a good team. And I think they can definitely get it going. Luca has been playing really well. He's averaging a triple double. So I think with Josh Richardson, you got the length, defense, Dorian Finney Smith, you got those guys out there. So I think they have the pieces to get it going together. They just have to stay healthy. Same with Miami. They just have to be healthy and play together.
2: Yeah, exactly. The health has been the biggest problem for them. I think we all agreed that that Seth Curry trade bringing in Josh Richardson was a good move for both sides. And we haven't really gotten to see it pay off yet because you haven't seen Josh Richardson out there with Luca, Chris Stops, the whole crew. So I want to see them all get on the court first, but I think that when they do, they're going to start to get on a roll just because Luca has been playing so well, but it's kind of been the Luca show so far. He He's really been carrying that team and, it's, it's affected his play on the defensive end. I don't think he's a good defender normally, but he has been a really bad defender this season. And what? Luca? He's not. He's been a really good defender. This season? Ooh, Jack. Yes. Jack. I Double do not down think, on that. Double I down do on not that. think Luca has been a good defender this season. He's been, he's been a really me. great defender he's this season. He's been
3: better at what, he, what he's what he been.
2: He's been really good, though. He's been very consistent. on. Defense. I have to stop you on your tracks right there. I don't think he's been a good defender this season. Last season,
0: last season, Last season, <laughs> god, <ahead. laughs> I just okay. We all know their offense was historic last season. This season it's actually ranked 22nd in points per game and 20th in offensive rating. Their defense this season has been really good. They're sixth in opponent points per game and they're seventh in defensive rating. And
2: Luka Doncic has been a really great defender this season, like a really good defender. From what I've seen, I think his defense is taking a hit from the the load that he's had to take on offensively because Kristaps has been out and he's been the main scoring option. I just think that overall, with all the injuries, it's hurt Luka because he's had to do so much. It's it's kind of like what the Rockets did to James Harden. He's had to do so much that it took away from other parts of his game. And he's still putting up insane numbers. So I want to see what he can do when the whole team gets back healthy.
1: I mean, I think Luka's a once in a generational talent. So even with guys hurt... You know, I think they would still be a, a playoff team just with Luca because that's just how talented he is, and you, you know, like the integrity he brings to the court. But KP's coming back, and I think that um, I think this team could really do something just with the right health. Like um, Riv said, it would be all right.
0: Oh, man, I'm still kind of baffled, Jack. I'm sorry. I'm still kind of taken aback. If we have Mavericks fans on this on these comments section, I'm just saying <laughs> be prepared. But this is what I'm going to say. They're about to torch you. This is what I'm going to say. I think the biggest reason why the Mavericks are starting out slow is because they had to – they got Josh Richardson, right? So they had to bring in a piece. And Josh Richardson is a guy who's going to be one of their main guys. So you got to um, implement him into the offense – and they lost Seth Curry. I think losing Seth Curry kind of changed the way they played. People really minimize that loss. But a lot of guys are stepping up. You see Tim Hardaway scoring 17 points per game. Josh Richardson scoring 14 points per game. And all around, I think this team is really good when healthy. I love Dorian Finney-Smith. He's a really good defender. I love Maxi Klee, but he's an underrated defender. Luka, Jack, has been playing great defense. And I think this team... When healthy is going to make a run, I think it all depends on Christoph Porzingis because we know what Luca's gonna do. Luca's gonna be what he's gonna be night in and night out. I think he has to be a better leader because we saw, I think last Friday when he didn't get the last shot and he was very, he was acting very childish about it.
2: But I mean, I also would want the last shot of I was No, there. yeah,
0: I agree. But this one, I'm gonna say he passed it to Trey Burke. Trey Burke shot a shot that I was okay with. He missed, and then Kristaps shot a shot. Listen, if it's anybody else taking that shot, I would have been mad. But if 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 it's a seven foot three guy who I know can hit that shot like Kristaps, I'm fine with it. I felt like Luka should have just lived with the result, and he shouldn't have been so mopey with it. But all in all, I think that nobody should be worried about the Maverick struggles so far this season. They're going to pick it up, but the ceiling of this team all depends on Kristaps Porzingis. Can he stay
2: healthy, or can he not? Can he be the second best player on a championship team? I think he can. He has to, I think he can. He can. If he is healthy, can the yes. can the Mavericks be a championship level team? They can with with these two guys. Yes,
0: with these two guys. Yes, with the all the parts around them that are currently there. I don't know.
2: I think. Porzingis. So, def- so when you like when you say yes, do you mean this season or do you so, mean moving, I mean, they, forward, moving like, forward? I
3: think Luca this- can definitely be the best player in the championship team. If they Weird, are your two best players, think, you can win the championship. Yeah, I think Porzingis can definitely be the number two. How old is Chris Dobbs now? 26.
0: 26. Oh, He's man. as old as Julius Randle.
3: But I think both of them are definitely talented enough to do it. I think yeah. you guys think Luca's efficiency is going to go up. He's been shooting pretty bad from the three-point I line. I think He's from the a- field,
0: I think he'll. He'll I think if the field is going to be what it is. From the three, I think he'll finish off around
2: 33%, the same that he finished off last season, a little bit better. Again, I don't think it's helped his case that, you know, he hasn't had poor Zingas out there. A lot of the defensive attention has been focused on him, so he hasn't been getting as many good looks as he got last yeah.
0: year. I think it's just been him missing shots, honestly. When you when you look at Luka, it's just him missing shots. His jump shot isn't – he doesn't have a good jump shot. He has to fix that. And it's been like that since he was a rookie. That's young, though. He's young. Been, though. His, he's yeah. young. That's been his downfall, but I think he will. And like Riff said, we both agree on this. Luca and KP can be your best too. I think so. Like
2: so. KP, I would agree with that. At his best when he's healthy, they he can be your to best be too. I don't think. I don't think yet. Obviously, like I don't think this year. Maybe not even. Maybe next year, depending on how we see Luca grow and Kristaps and come back from injury. You know, we don't know what he's going to be yet coming back from that injury. But Wesley Woundu has started three games for them. I do think moving forward, though, that's a championship core. If they can keep too. it, if they can keep those two guys there and build around them, I like the moves they made this off season. Like I thought, Josh Richardson bringing him in was a solid move. helped that defense out, and you know it, it's shown in their defensive statistics. But I like Josh Richardson, but I think he's better as an idea than an actual player. Used to bash him crazy. I,
0: I would have rather kept Seth Curry. Seth Curry, I think, makes that much of an impact for me personally. I think
2: that Steph Curry's a better, or Seth Curry Seth is a better—or Seth Curry is a better— oh, gee, they get Steph. It's over. It's <laughs> I over. think that Seth Curry is a better player, but I do think that Josh Richardson might be the better fit just because he's a, he's a much better defender than Seth Curry, and they needed that help defensively coming into this season.
0: Yeah, I, I could see the argument for both sides, but man— I think I'm still, I'm still <laughs> baffled Jack. I'm listen, I'll say that.
2: I have not looked at his defensive numbers. I'm just basing they're it a, off of what I've seen. A,
3: um, 100, 107, 107 defensive ratings. And I'm not,
2: I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched every Mavericks game. But from what I've seen, I just feel like he's gotten worn down on the offensive end, well, trying right. to do it all. I'm
3: on a, I'm on a, he's, when he's guarding the person, they're shooting a 45% field
2: goal. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna watch more Mavericks. that's
0: gonna that's gonna go home. I'm gonna and do watch a more Mavericks tonight
2: because I that was I, I need to I need to do more research on that topic. I'm, I was just speaking based on what I had seen. It it hasn't been every Mavericks game. I'm not gonna sit here and act like it has been, but you know I I I feel like he will be helped. At, He's kind of like carrying the load right now. And Kristoff's getting back will obviously help that. And yeah. everybody getting healthy will help that. No doubt about it. Double down on that young buck.
0: Next team we're going to talk about is the Utah Jazz. Jack and I were wrong about the Utah Jazz. We still have Jazz fans in, com- in our comments from that video talking about how wrong. Every single time they win a game, they're like, I told you so. I told you so. How do you look now? But look, we're going to make a video addressing it right now. They're proving us wrong, Jack and I. And the question for this topic is, should they be taken as a legit threat in the Western Conference? And what I'm going to say to that first I'll talk about the Jazz. They're 11-4. They're the second-best team in the league right now record-wise, and they have won seven straight. They're top ten in offensive and defensive rating. And we know Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, they have been the main catalyst on the offensive end. Donovan Mitchell's having like career highs across the board. For me... I think they're a second round exit team I, for, I think they'll either face the Lakers or the Clippers in the second round. If they face the Clippers, I give them a chance to beat the Clippers. But if they don't, if they face the Lakers, yeah, they're done. I think that their ceiling is the second round based on matchups. And if everything goes right, and I mean everything, they will make it to the Western conference finals, but I don't see them as a finals team. I think they are a couple pieces away and Not to kind of double down on what Shaq said, even though at the moment I thought it was kind of uncalled for, but what he said I think was true, that can Donovan Mitchell be the best player on your team if you had better pieces around him, maybe, but with this current roster construction, I don't think so.
3: He, it's, and it's weird, yeah, no, you guys are definitely wrong about Utah. I told you guys, they'll be a good team.
0: I said they were a playoff lock. Jack said they're missing it. (laughs) I was a little bit, I, I
3: said
2: they weren't a playoff lock. Yeah.
3: Um, But no, they've been playing really well. Like I said, defense is always going to get you close in the games. And Donovan, Jordan Clarkson, Bogdan is back. So that's been good for them. Joe Inglis has been playing really well. But what Shaq said, I can definitely see why he said it was uncalled for at the moment. But you look at the past. You look at this new era of basketball. We can go back to 2010. There has been only one instance in where your guard was the best player on the championship team. and Well, aside from Kobe. But there was steph curry i don't I don't think I think now in this league you need to be a wing needs to be your best player in the championship team, a guy who can do it all and be versatile. I don't think guards with their small stature and the way they play the game. I don't think a guard can ever be the best player in the championship team I think we we could we'll probably navigate to that later. But I think as of right now, like even Luca, he's a guard, but he's six seven.
2: It's just a wing dominant league. Yeah, it's
3: a wing dominantly, I, I, and I think Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he can be the best player. I think he could definitely be a number two.
2: And I
0: just checked his listed height. They have him at like six one, six. He's small. I did, I thought he was always six three. I didn't know they he put was the heights low. down though. Yeah, he yeah. might be. I, the, he's definitely there around there. With though. the height down, I checked it. He's six. They say he's listed yeah, at six. I, really, I think that's he's really
2: accurate. Strong
3: and athletic, and like he's he has bounce. But yeah, I, I think he can be the second best player in the championship team. Being the first with this roster, though, I just don't think they have enough firepower.
2: yeah I'll be the first to admit that I was wrong about them in the regular season. I thought they could have been a playoff team, but I thought that they also could have been one of those odd men out depending on how things shook up in the West. Clearly, they seem to be a playoff lock right now, but I just i, I don't I guess the thought is they could be like the nuggets last year, but I just don't see them having that playoff run. Donovan Mitchell is incredible. He is worth any max contract. He is he he's awesome. And I do think he could be the best player on a championship team maybe as some of this like LeBron James, Kevin Durant talent fluctuates out of the league or starts to decrease in their level of play. And if they get the right number 2, I don't think Gobert is a number mm-hmm. 2. I see him as more of a number 3 offensively. Maybe no. But he he's great defensively, but the league is so offensive centric right now. You need another great scoring option on the team, and they don't really have that. Their bench has been really good. I mean, can we put Jordan Clarkson in six man of the year conversation? He's my
3: lock right now.
2: Like uh, he's he been the six man right of the now. year. He, I, so I, far I saw Bleacher
3: Report put up there listening. He wasn't up there, and it was startling to me. Like I was just like, oh, a few guys weren't up there. And I was just like, wow. Yeah,
2: it, cause, cause it's probably going to be the same names discussed yeah, as saw, usual. On
3: defensive play of the year, I didn't see Drummond was up there and I was just like, I don't know Jordan Clarkson
2: has been really, really good for that team this year. And it's kind of what they needed. They needed that spark off the bench to, you know, when Donovan Mitchell's off the floor, somebody has got to fill it up for them. Mike Conley has also been really good after a down year last year. So, and Gobert has played pretty well. So, you know, I've been impressed by them and, I don't want it to sound like I'm being down on them. I just don't think... I definitely don't think they get by the Lakers, which is no dig because I don't think anybody in the West could get by the Lakers except maybe the Clippers. And the Clippers would be a really tough matchup for them because on the wing, who do they have to guard? Paul George Royce and Kawhi. O'Neal? You know, Royce O'Neal, Joe He's Ingles. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just don't... I don't think the matchups are great for them, but I do think they're going to... I, I'm I'm wrong. I think they're going to end up having a really good regular season and just be like you said. So probable lock. second second round. They, so yeah. they should yeah. be. I think yeah. they can
3: get into the second round if they play. If like they
2: it. they would have to really bomb to miss the playoffs, or you know, knock on wood. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. But I they would really have to have like a catastrophic falling out. You know, locker room come to blows. Like last moment. year when McFaul yeah, like, yeah. went down. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. I think they're a playoff lock.
1: Um yeah, I think I think the Jazz they are a playoff lock. I just I just don't see them going past the second round. I don't think they line up with LA and I, both the LA teams like you said. I don't I just don't think so. But I I got to name drop Shaq because <laughs> Shaq has said something and it just it had caught my attention. He's I was watching um the Nets play the Jazz actually. And I was watching Jared Allen and Rudy Gobert go back and forth. And I think at the end of the game, Jared Allen had 10 points and 10... I mean, not Jared Allen. Gobert. Had 10 points and 10 rebounds. And Shaq said, quote, you're getting paid $200 million to average 10 points and 10 rebounds.
2: Uh, yeah, I feel <laughs> like that was kind of unfair, though. I
3: think it's just he doesn't watch basketball. Because like, that's not what he's getting paid for. Yeah. He's getting paid for his defensive prowess, something Shaq What I'm going to say, though,
2: yeah. is I, I think... The
0: Jazz will be a really good regular season team, even great. But Rudy Gobert is not that good in the playoffs. Like From recent history, and that's not even just him. It's just been every center who has his type of play type or play style or players who can't shoot, even Giannis to a higher extent. In the playoffs, he's not the same. Ben Simmons in the playoffs, he's not the same. Players that can't shoot in the playoffs, it really hurts them and Gobert is a great interior defender, but in terms of defending perimeter guards, when they face Houston, oh my gosh, that was such a bad match because when if Houston went five out, the Jazz could not keep up. So Gobert, whatever he's doing in a regular season, that's cool, but in the playoffs, he's not. he doesn't have the same level of impact.
2: Yeah, and I want to say on his contract, I was one of the first people to bring it up in the offseason about how it could have been an issue over this team, and I they had to take care of it one way or another, whether it was putting him on the block and figuring it out that way or offering him a deal. And when you think about Utah, look at what Gordon Hayward did to him. You know, they they, they don't get stars. People don't go and this is no offense, people just don't go and play in Utah, especially with the reputation that they've developed between the Russell Westbrook thing, whatever it may be. Like stars just don't go to Utah. Gordon Hayward left Utah, so when they have a star that's willing to re-sign there. You know, you got to do what you got to do. And I do think they overpaid for Gobert, but they have to keep their talent one way or another. And I don't know, hope they draft the third piece. But it's just a tough situation because it's a small market. It's always tough for small markets. Right now, six
0: players on the Jazz are averaging double figures. Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Connolly, Bogdanovich, Gobert, and Joe Ingles are all averaging in double figures. And Gobert is averaging 12 points per game. Just wanted to put that out there. Too but, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be a great regular season team, but we'll see what they do in the playoffs. I mean, like I said, the title of the video in that team preview was high floor, low ceiling, because that's what I think they are. I think they're a high floor but a low ceiling. I, you know what yeah. you're going to get from Utah, but in terms of what they can do, I kind of know what they're going to do. I, I don't really expect them to win a championship. I agree. At all. So yep That's gonna do it For this episode Of the Pig Side Podcast This was episode 61 First time guest My friend Alan Was on the show So yes If I if I was near the It's uh, a clap button, I, I don't even know What it is Try the green one uh, uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 10 seconds try, try. That's the one
1: Wow, okay, That's, so now we, so we got these Thanks the, for having me. Thanks it's for the, having me.
0: It's the light blue one. <laughs> okay, so, like, as always, you guys can find us on Instagram and on TikTok at PickAsidePodcast and on Twitter at Pod, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash PickAsidePodcast if you would care to donate to us. We're going to attempt to live stream once a week to interact with you guys. Uh, we did it last time. We took in some callers. We're going to attempt to do that, but. This is the episode, episode number 61. Sure. Seems like this is flying by. In no time we'll be at episode 70, 80, 90, then 100. Don't wish your life away.
2: What the <laughs> hell does that mean? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What to he always that comes
3: with a weird quote. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I've never heard you
2: of got to en- enjoy it we last. We were talking about it before. That's what it means. You got to yeah. enjoy the process. The but you said to wish your life away? Yeah, don't wish your life away. Don't wish your life away. No. Okay. You don't want to be at episode 70 because it means you just skipped over the next nine episodes. All right. We're going to enjoy the next nine episodes.
3: What is that? Like a month and some change? Nine episodes? We do
2: two episodes a week usually. Sometimes three if it's a very special occasion. Probably a little
3: over a month. No, that's eight episodes a month. Four weeks. Yeah, so nine episodes. So a month in like a a week. Yeah, okay. So we'll be there.
0: Yep. So this is uh, some (laughs) chatter about nothing. (laughs) So thank you guys for watching and we'll see you guys next time.